Hi, and welcome to Dice Talk, the show where we talk all things Dungeons and Dragons to come up with some helpful hints and interesting ideas that you can bring back to the gaming table. I'm your host, Jeremy Fair, and today we are doing an extended deep dive episode. We found that we had so much to say that we needed an entire episode to do it. This is episode 5, Playing Barbarians. We are going to dive in and take a deeper look at this playable class, as well as spend a great deal of time focusing on the five possible subclasses for Barbarians. We have a lot to talk about on this episode, so let's go ahead and get into it on Dice Talk. Welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive. The Deep Dive is when we dive in and take a deeper look at some of the more specific elements of Dungeons & Dragons. Tonight we will be discussing Barbarians. To help me do that, we once again have Alex Hart. Hey, how's it going, buddy? Doing pretty good. Um, I'm pretty excited to talk about Barbarians. I've only played a Barbarian myself one time, but I've definitely DM'd a few campaigns with, you know, a couple Barbarians in them, so I kind of... I think I have at least enough experience to provide a little bit of insight and hopefully some fresh ideas of, you know, how to play barbarians in a D&D campaign. I've played one barbarian from 1 to 20. And when I say from 1 to 20, he was a barbarian in his first class. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, like, you know how it is. You multi-classed? Can, multi-classed, yeah. So I multi-classed him. Um, he was pretty cool. I had to do, I did some fun stuff, uh, like a cult slayer, which I'd love to talk about. Is he like some... a traditional tank type character or not quite? Oh, well? see, like, my favorite characters, my favorite characters are these guys that say, okay, cool, you can hit me. But in a second, I get to hit you. Right. Like, the best defense is a good offense kind of guy. So my character was named Asheron, and I'll probably use that name a couple times, so let's get that out of the way. Asheron was the best, and he had a big old scythe that had a four times crit modifier. His AC wasn't great, he was fine when it came to defense, had a decent hit pool, but his main thing was, every other turn, I should statistically crit you. And when I crit you, I'm going to deal so much damage, you don't get to stand in front of me anymore. And I just would make people turn into pink mist, and that was the whole idea of him and that's a barbarian to me like my personal opinion i like the heavy like just brawler barbarians some guys go more tanky and things my guy says whatever punch me in the face because next it's my turn i'm gonna headbutt you so hard Uh you stop walking my current character uh that i'm running for a current campaign is a bear totem barbarian which is one of my favorite variants because a bear totem barbarian actually can turn into a bear he starts off it's like i think it was black bear brown bear and then a dire bear and i cannot wait for him to get to the point and is this from the 3.5 edition? Yes, this is 3.5. So everything I've played is 3.5. I hear great things about 5. I've looked into it a little bit, but all my players, all the people I, I play with have been doing 3.5 forever. So it's why we learn something if we know this already. You know, we already all have the books and, and such. Right. Well, from my understanding, it's not that different from 5th edition. I know 4th edition is quite different. The 3.5 and 5th editions are often compared because they are so similar. I mean, there's going to be a few differences in the rules and different benefits you gain at different levels. But for the most part, how the game works is generally the same. Yeah, and the lore is pretty pretty one for one there. It's not it, not everything's interchangeable between 3.5 and 5, but they kind of speak the same language in my opinion. Well, they're close enough to where you can certainly adapt to them. I can use a monster stat block from 3.5 and just adjust it a little bit here or there and I'm going to end up fine. I'm not going to break the game. I, Especially the DM, in, you know. Right, yeah, and I've played enough D&D, and I've DM'd enough to where I can make it a reasonable AC and armor class. I can give him a reasonable attack. I can adjust his abilities in such a way where he'll be fine yeah. in a 5th edition game. 
So when we think of barbarians, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, at least to me, is this primal rage. Mm. This fury that really defines barbarians. Yeah, barbarians are... They're so aggressive. Like, the barbarian's the guy that's like, seems nice at the bar. He's fine. He's a, probably a big dude that you from a distance know you shouldn't mess with. But he snaps. He loses it. I mean, barbarians are like the Hulk. Or, um, like, Wolverine's a great example of a barbarian that people don't traditionally probably think of as a barbarian. But he's a guy who gets extra power with his rage. Um, right. That you don't want to mess with him. And they're... You know, everybody else keeps the level head. The paladins doing the things the way that's supposed to be. Barbarians might be a problem, like, on your team. They might be on your team. You're trying to accomplish a goal, and you're like, I don't know if I like hanging out with this guy because they lose it so much. And I love those characters because there's a, enough chaos, and when they do things, they do it big and explosive. And they're also really great for, like, new players. If you're not comfortable, like, playing D&D, say it's your first time going into it, they pretty much just hit shit, you know, like... I swing and attack. They Lots of them can't even use magic, especially if you're in rage. They're just, they're easy, they're approachable, and they're powerhouses, especially at low levels. Most people don't play D&D for 20 levels through. Those first 10 levels, fighter classes are, are generally the way to go. When you get towards the end, this is something I struggled with with my Barbarian build was, man, I got pretty deep into the game, and I'm level, you know, 12, 13, and I'm starting to get messed up by casters because um, Barbarians... They can't use a lot of magical items. I mean, uh, they're not as proficient with that sort of stuff. So I had to find a way to take down a guy who's, you know, 100 feet that way shooting fireballs at me. And I didn't know what to do. I couldn't get my hands on him if I could. Oh, he's Once in so did. much trouble. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. And um, I actually went, and I don't know if we want to get into it later, but I went into what's called the Occult Slayer. The Occult Slayer is like you are so anti-magic that some magic just doesn't work on you. And I played it up with my guy being so stubborn that, and the DM allowed this, that he was so stubborn that he's like, magic's garbage, I don't believe in this stuff. And his disbelief was so strong that it actually doesn't work on him. So he'd literally, like, deflect a fireball back at you. I knew that there was, like, I could roll a number, and if it was below a third-level spell, it just didn't do shit, just didn't hit me. And that's some stuff you have to consider when making a Barbarian, is that at high levels, you gotta find an answer for casters, because you don't have a great will save. You're not particularly smart. Your charisma is generally low. These are all problems that can present when you deal with magic users, and high-level games have big fucking bad magic yes. users. Um, and barbarians, again, they're your frontline guy. They walk up, they're, you know, you enter the room, who's going to walk in first, who's fighting that ogre? It's your barbarian. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much, Jeremy. <laughs> and a moment ago, you were mentioning how they're, you know, they're kind of a, a really friendly class to play for a new D&D player. Uh, you know, a barbarian or a fighter, some sort of melee character that on the surface does not have a plethora of complexities. They seem pretty straightforward, but that's definitely not to say that you cannot roleplay them in such a way that they are complex. When I build characters, I put a lot, I definitely build their backstory. I definitely take into consideration okay, if I'm making a barbarian, I'm going to choose someone who has a benefit in strength. But at the same time, I'm not a big fan of min-maxing characters. I'm not trying to create some overpowered munchkin-type guy who just walks in and smashes shit. I mean, I definitely want him to smash it, but I don't want it to be a guarantee. <laughs> Let's not sacrifice the smashing shit. That's important. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, smashing is, you know, why else are you a barbarian? But there's a lot of interesting ways that you can play them, like... I definitely like to focus a lot of time and effort 
into writing my flaws. I think flaws are one of the more interesting parts of creating a character. When I, at least the last time I made a barbarian, I created a barbarian who was a halfling. A halfling is not the normal kind that no. you would assume to be a barbarian. <laughs> no, you think ogres, humans, you know, there's a, a halfling is not on the list that you typically apply to a barbarian. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> the whole thing about, about my halfling barbarian was he really, really hated it when people made fun of his height. His whole thing was he believed that, he, yeah, he might be a halfling, but really he's a dwarf. He's three-fourths dwarf, one-quarter halfling. This is 100% what he believes. And definitely not overcompensating. Definitely not. And his whole thing was trying to, you know, have this family jewel that they have and and find these other dwarves to confirm, basically, that he is part dwarf, that he really is more than just his average halfling because, you know, he's massive, three and a half feet tall. You know, he's like, he's pushing 70 pounds. He's like a fucking giant among these other halflings. So this jewel was like, was something from his backstory that he... It's like their family, like this family object that they've always had. And he, he believes that this is representative of his dwarven culture that even though his parents don't believe it, he 100% believes like, no, there's no way... That I'm like the rest of these like, lazy... This is for sure fool's go gold. You know, like, you are not a, a dwarf. And then he's oh, and he freaks out and he turns five feet tall. You know? Definitely. <laughs> well, the whole thing was he hates it when someone uh, makes fun of his size. I wouldn't tell any of the other people I was playing with, but they'd probably catch on eventually that any time you made a negative comment about his height, or if you made some sort of comment about him not being a dwarf, he rages. If he has the ability to rage out at that at that time regardless of the consequences, regardless of how bad of an idea it might be, mm-hmm. he rages out. And on, on top of that, I made his intelligence super low. I think he had a negative three or a negative two modifier. Oh, God. So I'll be like, yeah, 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 I should run in there and we should do these trip wires and we can hang these things from ropes and like when they run down the hall, we'll swing it and hit them from both sides. And then I'll usually go, but my guy's not smart enough to think of that. So I'm actually just going to run in there and swing blindly. Yeah, I love that, what a character would do as opposed to what they could do. Like, you as a player know it's not a good idea to run in there and swing blindly, but your character's a big old dum-dum, so you did the right thing. Right, I, I, think it's, I think it's fun. Like, one time they made fun of his size, so we're fighting an ogre. I'm a level 2 halfling barbarian, and I decided to go rock climbing up this ogre's back with my <laughs> hand axes, and I'm, I'm literally stabbing it into his back and climbing up. He ended up, this was a, like a little one-shot I played on Roll20.com, He this ogre grabbed me, threw me against the wall, and I fucking died. And that was the end of my barbarian. <laughs> but to me, I didn't feel bad. I was laughing. I was like, that makes so much sense. Because like, that's how he would react. And these are the consequences of acting so rash. Oh, if I can throw this out there while I'm thinking about it. One must have, in my book, to run a good barbarian, one must have uh, feet, is you need to have die hard. You need to have diehard. So, like Conan shit. Yeah, dude. So, like, regular, you know, characters, you get to level zero. I'm sorry, you get to hit point zero, you pass out. If you get to negative one, you're out. And at negative ten, you're actually dead. Diehard is perfect for barbarians because you can get all the way to negative nine um, and you're still standing, still trying to fight. At negative ten, you're actually dead. And it's perfect for that kind of character that's like, oh, girl, and they like auto-stabilize, I believe, in Die Hard. Um, I could be mistaken on that. But it just makes for, it plays so well to what a barbarian is. It's, I'm gonna get, ma- if you're not getting bloodied playing a barbarian, you're not doing it right. Because they've got, like, as time goes on, they get fast healing. Mm-hmm. Um, they can, they want to get messy in a fight, and then after the fight, they, they turn off the rage, they lose some spe- some 
some stats there, and then they can heal up with the fast healing. But um, I, I think a good barbarian needs to have some blood on his shirt. You know, like if he's if he walks into a battle and just mows them all down and nothing happens, you're not playing your barbarian right. Well, the way that it works in fifth edition is when you hit zero hit points, you're unconscious. And at that point, you start making saving throws and death saves. Mm -hmm. So you'll roll a die every time that the initiative runs around and it's your turn. And you roll. If you get 11 or higher, you succeeded. And if you get 1 through 10, you failed. Three failures means you're dead. Three successions means you're stabilized. You're still at zero hit points. But until somebody heals you, you're still unconscious. If you take so much damage that basically if your max health plus your remaining health is less than the amount of damage you just took, you're dead outright. There is no chance for a death-saving throw. You're just gone. Jeez. But um, what you just described, there's a a congruent... 3.5 mechanic? Well, there's a congruent 5th edition mechanic Ah. to your 3.5. I'm learning. So this one is called uh, Relentless Rage. So Relentless Rage is something you don't get to 11th 11th level, which Mm -hmm. is pretty high up there, but I mean, you're going to get there eventually. And that basically says, if you drop to zero hit points and you're raging, you don't die. You can make a DC 10 constitution saving throw. So you get to roll and use your constitution, which as a barbarian is generally going to be pretty high anyways. Yeah, and it's only 10. If you get past that 10, you don't die. You survive and you come back with one hit point instead. You're not even unconscious. This is awesome. This is kind of like your diehard thing you were mentioning a minute ago. The only downside, and I say it's a downside, but really it's a balance, is... Mm-hmm. Every time you do this, the next time you do it, that number you have to beat, that 10, increases by 5. Ah. So now it's a 15. You do it a third time, now it's a 20. By 5? And this persists until you get a long rest. Until you get a moment to get so far out of battle that you're able to rest for 8 in-game hours. Good God. That is when this this number resets back to 10. Yeah, because that first one's not too hard to do. If you said it's level 11, is that right? Level 10. Level 10. Yeah, I mean, 10. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, your uh, your character can't get that until what level? You get Relentless Rage at level 11 in 5th edition. Okay, well, at level 11, if your character's built, you know, as a barbarian's probably going to be built, getting a 10 is not going to be that hard to do. Um, you, you probably already have 5, 6, 7, or whatever con, but when you have to get a 15, it's a little harder, it's a little sketchy, you know, you got to get a 20, like, okay, like, we need to start rolling to the dice gods, you know? Um, that That's pretty cool, I like that. So I think the, def- like we said a moment ago, the defining factor of a barbarian is this, this rage, this primal fury. It's something more than anger. It's, it's not, sim- and, and when we talk about a barbarian, it's not like some pompous group, you know, it's not these people from Waterdeep who are these like nobles going, yes, you know, the barbarians over there in the hills. <laughs> That's just them judging a culture. A true barbarian is not, it's not every one of those people has these abilities. A true barbarian is rare. It's like someone being an expert knife thrower or someone being like bullseye. It's like being an amazing fighter like Daredevil or something. Like he's not hes not normal. He's exceptional. A true barbarian is like one in a hundred. One in a thousand people, you actually have this supreme fighter, this Jet Li character. Though Jet Li's not a barbarian, but it's this one in... Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. What you're, what you're getting at is like... Barbarian is probably not the best word for it because you can have a barbaric tribe or barbaric culture, but to be a barbarian in that is a different level. Like, there's fighters, there's normal guys, there's commoners and stuff, but you're the one out of a thousand guy who's like, no, that guy's fucking crazy. That guy will lose his shit. He's very dangerous. And now I think people confuse that sometimes about, I said he's crazy, but no, they're like experts in battle. I mean, it is not, it is. Tacticians. Yeah. They're smart. They're wise in certain areas. They might not be overly intelligent most of the time, 
But they definitely know how to fucking control a battlefield. Well, that's the whole idea behind like a whirling barbarian is whirling barbarians are supposed to be so good with their weapons that they're harder to hit. Their dexterity goes up, if I recall. They're harder to hit because they are deflecting stuff more. It's not because they're just spinning around in a circle. It's like, no, this guy is just a wheel of blades tactically you know it's like um you, we, you watch the deadpool trailers they're shooting a bunch of guns at him and stuff right. like that and he's like ting, 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 chopping the bullets down that's what they're doing that there's a skill to it you could be blind just swinging your blades around but no no, no these guys are that good and that's not common you know it does take the one out of a thousand true big scary warrior guy to be a barbarian yeah and in fifth edition what you just described there is an ability um that monks actually have in fifth edition called deflect missile and um, they can only do it a certain number of times, you know, before they need a rest or something. But they're able to deflect a projectile that's coming at them. I think that would be a really cool feature to give a barbarian. Now, you need to be careful with this because you don't want to break the game mechanics. You need to, as a DM, if you're going to change something like this, just you know, kind of consider the consequences. But based on what you just said, like the Whirling Barbarian for the 5th edition equivalent... If, if they were to have this deflect missile type ability, maybe they have an item or something that gives them that ability. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you just want to modify the way a barbarian works. I think that'd be a really cool way to do that. And I like hearing your 3.5 edition kind of... And I like hearing... My old man take on it. <laughs> yeah, I like hearing the take that you're providing from a 3.5 because you're able to take these old ideas and make them fresh again. I'm able to take this mechanic that's not in 5th edition find a way to bend it and change it a little, and now I can put it in 5th edition, and it's something cool. Well, Barbarian's, like, from the beginning. Like, I th- if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first edition had Barbarians in it. It's an old-school class. Like, there's a it's lot classic. of lore. Yeah, it's a classic. It really is a classic to it. Um, and it's fun to kind of find ways to spice up a Barbarian. I mean, when I think of, like, non-traditional Barbarians, like, you mentioned having um, an item or a trigger word or something, something that's an unusual way. Not just, I got mad, but... Hey, uh, you, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, that's technically a barbarian. I mean, he's a normal guy that freaks out, he gets mad, and turns into something more dangerous. Yeah, that's that's awesome. a barbarian. The Hulk is a barbarian. I think playing the Hulk, not playing the Hulk, but playing Hulk-style character, though it seems almost cliche because the Hulk's so popular, doing that in a D&D game is not, uh, not, is not cliche at all. If you played a character who was, I mean, you have to work with your DM on this, but was relatively intelligent... Mm-hmm. and pretty smart like the way bruce banner is yeah and then when something happens you turn into this hulking behemoth of a barbarian that would be fucking awesome that's really rad yeah there's i mean there's a lot of weird takes on being a barbarian like a lot of people don't think of some of these characters as being like um hercules is technically a barbarian um tarzan is a barbarian he's raised in uh, in nature um he's he's hangs out with animals and stuff and he's powerful he's now tarzan is very dexterous he's very quick and uh, nimble that's typically when you think of barbarian you think of heavy you think of guy who kicks you know punches really hard and's got the big battle axe and things um you know brock sampson is a barbarian you know, uh, venture brothers and I, I was thinking about who's like bar- a barbarian and stuff and that one stuck out to me as like oh shit that guy's actually a barbarian he's a smart tactical guy He's well-mannered, cool, nice, but don't piss him off because then he just, like, there's the start of one of the episodes, he's got a lawnmower to a guy's face. Like, (laughs) that's barbarian shit. That's hard. Barbaric. (laughs) Yes, barbaric for sure. So now we kind of took a moment, we expressed a few of our feelings about barbarians and, and our experiences with them. I'm going to just take a little bit and just kind of do a general overview of the actual statistics of a barbarian. So barbarians are pretty ridiculous. First of all, they're going to specialize in strength and constitution. 
I'm not sure how it works in 3.5, but in 5th edition, Constitution is how you base your HP. Yeah. When you're rolling out your HP, you get to roll your hit die or whatever, plus your Constitution modifier. For Barbarian, that's 1d12, plus your Constitution is going to be pretty high. You are by far going to have the most HP of anyone in your group. And you're going to have the most resilience of anyone in your group. Yeah, and 3.5, they've got a full base attack bonus. They're one of the few classes that, like, they always are getting better at striking. Um, there's some, most fighter classes will have a couple where they, they drop off and they have levels that nothing happens to them. Barbarians have a ton of health. They're, uh, it's a D12 for their health, and then they've got the full bab. Um, they're they're meaty from the beginning, and they keep going that direction. That's the, the struggle with a barbarian is that they are kind of that one path that can be challenging to overcome if if you run into casters and stuff right and i think it's cool because you're saying they were really good for new players but i think that i think they're also really good for veteran players because they have that one path when you're a veteran player you're looking for something new and interesting maybe even a challenge find a way to make that barbarian not go that one path find a way to make your barbarian a little bit different yeah so barbarians are actually very versatile they are proficient in light and medium armor they can also bear shields now, one of the defining factors, at least in 5th edition of Barbarian, is they have a lot of benefits when they're not wearing armor. But on top of that, they're capable of using any simple weapon. They can use martial weapons. They traditionally come with a large sword, a hammer, an axe, and then they come with four javelins. Yeah, <laughs> that's so badass. Four javelins? Well, I just, I wish I had some need in my life where I needed... Three extra javelins. (laughs) I always imagine them, and a lot of times it's common to play Barbarian as a human, and humans don't have dark vision. So what I always like to do is I'll I'll have the javelins that are, you know, tucked into my backpack or my back belt. They're, like, rising up, like, three or four feet above my head, and I always tied my lantern to the top of it. So I don't have to worry about taking up my hands. I can still wield my two-handed greatsword, because that lantern's hanging off of my javelin. I always thought that was cool. Um, I think Barbarians can even, like, run faster when they're not wearing... Um, armor. I think they get. It might be three point five, but uh, I think they get a plus ten to their uh, their base speed. I think there is. Uh, I don't know if it's plus ten, um, but there is an equivalent bonus, okay. I believe. Huh. So with barbarians, of course, they're they're the with barbarians, of course, the aspect that stands out the most is going to be their rage. Uh, the book says, and I quote: "In battle, you fight with primal ferocity." On your turn, you can enter a rage as a bonus action, and while raging, you gain the following benefits as long as you're not wearing heavy armor. These benefits are things like, you have advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws. Every time you roll the die and it has to do with strength, you roll it twice and you picked a better result. That is super awesome. When you make a melee weapon attack using your strength, and you get a bonus to this damage roll, uh, at level 1 that bonus is only plus 2, but... That's plus two damage every time. You roll to one, you still get three. This increases your minimum a lot. And oh, this yeah. number increases as you level up. I mean, when you're at level 20, which is pretty far, I mean, that's plus four. And that's plus four to every time you deal damage. You just give that extra little bit. Well, and with that full base attack bonus, they swing a lot. Like, you can build, uh, like, a dual-wielding barbarian. You guys, like, they've got a weapon in each hand. And they'll get you know, five swings in the course of a round if they can get a full attack. I mean, that's plus four on every one of those. That shit adds up. I yeah, mean, especially at a higher level. You yeah. definitely get to hit more than once, three, four, five times in a turn. That was basically the structure I tried to make of my Barbarian, was I'm going to swing a whole bunch of times, and one of them's going to crit on you, and it's going to be a problem. Earlier you mentioned you like to you like to make your Barbarian the kind of guy that can take a hit, and is going to hit them back twice as hard. Yes. Well, just for when you're in rage, when you enter this barbaric rage that they're known for, 
You have resistance, so you take half damage. That's if they hit you. Half damage on all bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. So you stab, someone stabs you, you're like, yeah, well, good thing my skin is basically made of stone or something. <laughs> made of pure hatred. <laughs> Resistant to anything but emotional damage. And then this rage that you enter, it lasts a minute. That doesn't seem like that long. A minute in D&D, each round is six seconds. That is ten rounds of combat. If you fought in a battle for ten rounds, that's like 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how, you, how your group likes to pace their battles or how much table talk there is or just, you know, just the way it works out. A whole minute in a battle is quite a lot of time. That is, that's 10 rounds. A lot of times that's going to be the whole battle. I went 1 through 20, like, levels with my Barbarian, and I think there's only been a couple times that I actually raged and then ran out of rage in a battle. I mean, it takes big battles for a Barbarian to get exhausted. Um, I, rage is the best. Rage is awesome. And the amount of times that you can rage increases as you level up. So, level 1, th- one and 2, you can only rage twice, and then you're going to have to take a rest before you can rage again. I mean, you get to level 10, you can rage four times. Level 16, you're raging five times. A level 20 character, it says unlimited rages. Now, is that once per encounter for 5 edition? Do you know? Well, the way it works is you can do it as many times as you'd like. It's just, if you're if you're a level 3, you can only do it three times before you require a long rest. Hmm. So you can use it all at once. And then also has to do with, at level 3, you get to choose your subclass. And depending on which subclass you choose... Uh, there might be detrimental effects. Got it. There is the thing called the Path of the Berserker. This allows you to do a lot of cool things, a lot of extra damage, a lot of re-rolling your damage, picking the best, and just doing this max this max damage to your enemies. But the more you rage, there's these detrimental effects. You rage once. Once you leave your rage, now you have what's called exhaustion. You have disadvantage on all skill checks until you get a long rest. You get two levels of exhaustion. Now you have disadvantage on all skill checks, and... You have all these different debuffs that you're getting from doing this rage again and again and again. So it gets to the point where you're basically like if you did it four times in a row and you are the berserker class that suffers these levels of exhaustion, it's going to definitely have detrimental effects on you. But the benefits that you gain from using these these abilities is crazy. It it really can make or break a battle. If you're like me, you rage out based on some sort of quirk you decided to add as your flaw. But if you're going to be a smart player about it, you can save these rages up and really, really turn the tide of the battle when you need to. Extra saw one recently when I was looking at stuff for my character, and there's an involuntary rage that is like based on your hit points. Like this is just a, an offshoot, different take on it, wherein like you get to 25% of your hit points and then you auto rage, which cool is kind of cool because like it makes you fight like one way the whole way through, and then you kind of like anime up. You're like, no, I'm not going down, and you freak out, and then you're you're in, like more powerful from it. But it's, it puts you in these kind of cool spots. Oh, you got your ass kicked in the dungeon. Uh, you know the bad guys got you tied up and stuff and you rage out right when you're getting close to death that's just it's i like stuff like that i mean i think there's a lot of cool ways to take the rage mechanic well all the things that i just mentioned a moment ago you get those benefits only if you're not wearing armor while you're not wearing armor there's other benefits as well there's a thing called unarmored defense so if you're not wearing armor and you're a barbarian your armor class is 10 plus your dexterity modifier plus your constitution modifier this really can be a really high number. Yeah. This could be better than wearing armor. I mean, if you've got good con, if you've really mapped your character out to be like healthy and heavy in that way, yeah, that it's going to beat a lot of armor just in its own right. The problem would be like magical properties and stuff. It's kind of hard to get around. And this says specifically you can still use a shield and gain the benefit from it. Mm. So now you can increase your armor another two or three points if you just want to you know, take up one of your hands with a shield. 
That's way better. I mean, when you think of Conan the Barbarian, he's not wearing full plate. He's got that bare chest. He's big and ready to go. That's that's a barbarian. You know, a barbarian's not, like, wearing a tie ever, you know? <laughs> well, something a lot of people don't think about is you don't have to always hold your shield. You put it on your back or something. I'm not going to give you the benefits while you're not using it, but you don't have to always take up your both hands. You know, you're fighting an especially tough enemy. Whip out that shield, but when I DM at least, I'm not going to say you have to be carrying that shield on your arm the whole time. Now, I probably won't give you the benefits of that shield unless you're carrying it on your arm. But yeah, carry it around, pull it out when you need it. And if you have something like a bag of holding, which is a very popular and very common magical item, put it in there. Yeah. And if, if the going gets tough, pull it out. I, um, I had Dasanadas on my character, um, little like wrist uh, deflectors, think Wonder Woman style things, okay. and let me like continue to do my other stuff because I couldn't wear like really great gloves um, that were usually like considered in the heavy armor category. There's another ability, and this is just a second level. Like you get this pretty early on. I mean, a lot of times you're going to level up in your first first one or two encounters. This is called Reckless Attack. You throw aside all concern for defense to attack with a fierce desperation. Every time that you make the first attack on your turn, you can basically decide to attack recklessly. When you do this, you have advantage on all your melee weapon attack rolls uh, that require strength. So basically, you can just decide, I have advantage now, and I'm going to attack this guy and roll twice and pick the better result. The only detriment being when any checks that are made against you until your next turn the enemy also has advantage on you. It's like you're low, you're a samurai. You're changing your stance to full attack mode. You're lowering your defenses so you can really go all out. Maybe before you're kind of shelling up and keeping your distance. Now you're putting both hands on that axe and you're just charging at them. And then at level three, and this is always my favorite part about making a character. To me, when you hit level three is when your character really starts to take shape. You get to pick their subclass. There used to only be two possible subclasses for the Barbarian. Uh, that is the Totem Warrior mm-hmm. and the Path of the Berserker. Since they came out the Xanathar's Guide to Everything, there are now five various subclasses that you can take as Barbarian. This greatly increased the amount of diversity that you can have when creating a, a Barbarian character. This increased the possibilities, and this really changed the way that you can play Barbarian. Not only like the mechanics, but just the ideas it introduces for you to be able to roleplay your character. It really changes what a traditional barbarian is. Yeah, and they've been around since the first edition, like we said. Like, it's cool to see, like, that there's other takes on it. So I, this is all new to me, because I'm all 3.5. That's that's my stuff. I only had a handful of them. Like I said, I'm running a 3.5 barbarian uh, that's a, a bear totem barbarian. So, like, you've got the totem barbarians, you've got the berserker ones. What are the other three? So, in addition to the totem barbarian and the berserker... You have what's called the Path of the Ancestral Guardian. So the Berserker is where you just lose your rage. There's a problem, you fix it with blood. You fix it with death. You fix it by fighting. That's how I fix most problems, yes. Right, yeah, of course. Totem Warrior is you gain your power. Totem Warrior is you gain your power from some sort of natural entity. Uh, I think in 5th edition that's a bear or a wolf or an eagle. Eagle, And depending on the path you choose, there's different benefits. Now, the Ancestral Guardians, you get your powers from your ancestors, the spirit that keeps your tribe alive. That is where you get your power. This is like, I played Diablo 3, I had a barbarian, I summoned these my ancestors, and now yeah. there's four of me for like two minutes. That is what I think of when I read <laughs> You got a leap barbarian jumping around, you got a shout barbarian. I didn't even mention that, like, I played so much Diablo, and 100% I played the barbarian. That is my class. I love barbarians. I had a barbarian that was unkillable in Diablo 2. Um... 
That's not important. I just fucking love barbarians, and I'm glad we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, Diablo is amazing. <laughs> okay, so you're like worshiping your ancient, you know, relatives and stuff, and pulling from your history and your ancestry. Does it still function the same way as far as like your rage mechanics, or do you know how like what the benefits are is for that as opposed to the uh, the totems and such? Because totem, I can turn into a bear. Try and convince me not to turn into a bear right now is what I'm saying. Well, it's actually really cool. The path of the ancestral guardian gives you a number of different features that you get from kind of revering this ancestral spirit and that makes sense a, uh, a little bit ago we mentioned that you know there's only like one in a thousand that actually are these true barbarians one way to explain that is to definitely have it passed down through your heritage so to actually have it passed down through your family maybe your lineage has always had this kind of this you're the grandson of the chieftain yeah that's cool but um some of the abilities that you get from this so you get something called ancestral protectors this is almost exactly what we were just describing yeah. from diablo so at third level, you summon spectral warriors that appear whenever you enter rage. While you're raging, the first creature you hit with an attack on your turn becomes the target of these warriors, which hinders its attack. Until the start of your next turn, that target has disadvantage on any attack rolls that is not against you. And when the target hits a creature other than you with an attack, the creature has resistance to the damage. What? Yeah. There's, is there anything scarier than, like, ghosts plus barbarians? Like, a ghost barbarian? This guy's, like, he's haunting you and he's so mad about it. <laughs> and that's not it. They also give you something called Spirit Shield. Now, you don't get this to level 6, but this is super badass. So, basically, these guardian spirits, they, they come and aid you through supernatural protection. If you're raging and another creature you can see is within 30 feet of you, if that creature takes damage, you can use your reaction to reduce that damage by 2d6. Your buddy is within 30 feet. Your party is almost always within 30 feet of you. Yeah. You get to just reduce the damage they take by up to 12. Mm, sorry. I have ghost friends. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. And this increases. When you go to level 10, this becomes 3d6. When you become 14th level, this becomes 4d6. The higher level you are, the more you get to reduce. So I guess your ancestral spirits are guarding not only you, but guarding your party as well. That's huge. That's that's adding extra characters to your to your game. I mean, that's like that's the barbarian equivalent of like summoning a, a wolf to fight alongside you or something. Yeah. That's so cool. And you can also consult your spirits. So at 10th level, you gain the ability to consult the ancestral spirits. And when you do so, you get to cast either the Augury or the, clair, the Clairvoyance spell. But it doesn't use a spell slot. You don't need material components. Being able to cast a spell at all is pretty awesome for a barbarian. And you're getting this power from your ancestors. Like, you're tapping into this ancient bloodline, these ancient spirits that are guiding you. And they're providing you with magical benefits. Yeah, any magic that you can get in a barbarian class. I mean, this is a class that you walk into it. If you did level 1 barbarian, you're illiterate. You know, being able to do magic is a big deal. And then at 14, as if the spirit shield wasn't enough... Now, anytime you reduce damage that's taken because, you know, your spirit guardians help to defend one of your um Your ghost teammates, buddies. <laughs> not only do you block that, but every time you block that, when you're at level 14, the attacker takes an amount of force damage equal to the amount of damage that was blocked. Whoa, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. So it's like him getting in the way and then just hitting him back with twice the amount of force. Huh, or I, I imagine them, like, slamming a hammer against an invisible barrier and it just bounces off and reverberates with you know, the amount of force they were about to deal. Because you're a good DM. That's why you'd think that way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, I mean, these are awesome. Like we were saying a moment ago, when you choose the path of the Berserker, you're, you're talking about going in the Frenzy. This is when you get benefits to your actual attack. There's different exhaustion detriments. There's also the Mindless Rage. When you're in Mindless Rage, you cannot be charmed. You cannot be frightened. 
like while you're raging, you're literally just immune to these things because you're not even noticing them. You're so filled with this blood fury. You're not afraid of anything. You're not even scared for your own well-being. You ever seen a two-year-old that goes into like a full tantrum mode? Yes. Like there is no like, do you want your favorite toys? Like, no, I hate everything. Um, <laughs> like, do you want to uh, like go outside? Nope, still hate everything. And then afterwards they fall asleep. That is rage. <laughs> you get mad and then you get super tired afterwards. And I think the Path of the Berserker is kind of what you think of normally when you think of an, a standard barbarian because they have this thing called intimidating presence. Earlier you said it'd be pretty intimidating, <laughs> this like giant monster of a man or whatever race it is that you choose. They literally have a thing called intimidating presence. When you hit 10th level, you can use your action to frighten someone simply with your menacing presence. <laughs> um, if they're That's... within 30 feet of you, they have to make a some sort of save. And if they fail the save, they're frightened simply because you're there. That's great for role-playing, too. Um, you can like you want to clear the room at a bar. Somebody ticked you off. You bang your your chalice down, and you just glare. And everybody's like, "All right, I'm gonna get the this guy doesn't seem to be happy about stuff." And they all fucking clear the room. One of the and this honestly is one of the better benefits of choosing the path of the berserker. This is their final ability. They get it at, at level fourteen. This is called retaliation. Any time that you are attacked and you take damage, you immediately just get to react and attack them with a melee weapon. If this is a great sword, that's a lot of damage. Plus, you add your strength modifier. Plus, you add your proficiency. I mean, damage is what they do. This is a reaction. Yeah. And you're the tank. Your job's to run in there, anyways. You jump between five enemies, and you get to react to every time they attack you. That is that is amazing. Oh yeah. Um, in three point five, there's what is it? Um, cleave. You cut down one guy. You can take a five foot step and swing on the next guy, and you get. You get a barbarian, you can do some real damage. In the field of battle, you'll just like start walking five feet at a time, just chewing through everybody. I love it. It's I think it's still based on your number of attacks, though. So you might not be able to do it indefinitely. So we talked about the Path of the Berserker. We talked a little bit about the Ancestral Guardian. Another classic is the Path of the Totem Warrior. I think you said that you played your barbarian this way. Yeah, so I just started him. Um, he's uh, a Goliath... Half giant mineral warrior or something. I forget which ones I totally picked, but I I did a 50-50. I've only level two with him, so I'm still kind of trying to work out all the bugs. But he turns into a bear, which sounded like the coolest thing in the world to me. And they that's the way the uh, the totem warriors work is that they have a specific animal. I believe in 3.5, there's uh, an eagle, a wolf, and a bear. There might be more. I know there's variants all over the place where you can do other ones, but at low levels, I think at level seven, I'll be able to turn into a black bear, and then I can go to a brown bear and then eventually you can get to be a dire bear which i mean you you become literally huge as far as the mechanics are concerned you have reach you've got uh two claw attacks and a bite you get to add i mean your stats go off the charts i mean a dire bear is really bad news yeah i'm just i love the idea of okay we're in a fight right now and i'm going to change become this giant crazy creature and now like oh you got a dragon well i got this fucking guy um (laughs) and i don't know we have a fun little thing going on right now because we have a a cat character we've got somebody who's we have a lions and tigers and bears oh my like going on with our uh, our good guy team right now it's a lot of fun that does sound pretty cool so for fifth edition when you choose the path of the totem warrior um just like you were describing you can choose the bear or the eagle or the wolf And depending on which one you choose, you're going to have different abilities, different features that you get from making that decision. So at level three, you get what's called Spirit Seeker. You get to cast the spell, speak with animals. So you can now, you're a barbarian, and you can just speak with animals. Or you can also cast the spell Beast Sense, 
these are both super useful, not just for anyone, but they, I mean, they really, they make sense that if you are a totem warrior, if you're basing your entire rage and your culture and just the way you are, basically your way of life on, you know, worshiping this kind of spirit or this animal, it makes sense that you can contact these animals, that you can speak with them. Yeah, it's all in their culture too. I mean, barbarians are great at um, survival checks, at uh, handle animal. Um, they're they're really good at the, all, anything really nature based. Um, track things like that. Uh, when you, it makes a lot of sense to me that you'd be able to like hang out with a wolf. You know, that that seems like they probably do that on any given Tuesday. And then at level three, when you choose your totem spirit. You basically get to design and pick a totem, which I think is really cool from a role-playing aspect. This can be, you know, if you chose the bear, this could be a pelt or a tooth or a claw. If you chose the eagle, it could be a talon. It could be their beak. It could be a feather. If you chose the wolf, you know, this could be their fur. This could be even like like you have a lucky rabbit's paw. You can have a wolf's paw on a rope or something. It can Hell be yeah. anything and be creative. It can be a bone. It can be, I mean, it can be a rock with a drawing of it that maybe you drew with blood of a wolf. Yeah, a helmet made out of a bear skull, you know? That'd be sick. Yeah. That'd be fucking intense, honestly. Fucking rad. But um, when you choose bear, so basically, while, if you chose bear, while raging, you have resistance to all damage that's not psychic. If it's not psychic damage, you take half. If they manage to get past your ridiculous defense, you take half. And you already <laughs> have ridiculous health. Crazy health. This is... This is... This is fucking wild. <laughs> I love barbarians. The so much. eagle, obviously, it probably makes sense. This is going to be speed based. So while you're raging and you're not wearing heavy armor, which we already discussed as a barbarian, you're going to be a lot better off not wearing any armor at all. But if if you're not wearing armor, other creatures have disadvantage on all opportunity attack rolls against you. So you can get out of there if you really need to, or maybe you just want to, you know, rush across the field to go crush that other guy's skull in. They're already which you do want to do. Yeah, which you definitely want to <laughs> do. Always on the table. They have a disadvantage. In addition to that, you can use the dash action as a bonus action. So you can move your speed, attack somebody, and then dash to move your speed again as a bonus action. This is crazy. Yeah, barbarians are great at like being in battle. Um, your your role playing is kind of dependent on your player and how much they can really get out of them because they're not the smartest characters, not the most charismatic. But you put them in a fight, that's what they do. Um, they they really lean to that. And again, it's great for low for like early new players. I mean, you want to have fun, you want to fuck some shit up, go be a barbarian. You don't feel really comfortable like talking a lot. Barbarians are also a good good way to do it too. And a lot of times you think of, okay, he's the big tank. He's, hey, guys, stand back. I got this. Well, if you choose the wolf totem, that's not necessarily the case. You think of a wolf, you think of agile, smart, pack tactics. The wolf does exactly that. When you're raging, your friends get advantage on melee attack rolls against any creature that's within five feet of you. So if someone's fighting you, now your friends get the benefit because you have this aspect of the wolf. I like that, the pack. It's really, really cool. And it's funny that I said Aspect of the Wolf because at 6th level you get to choose what's called Aspect of the Beast. So for the bear, if you chose bear, your carrying capacity is doubled. You have advantage on all strength checks that are made to push, pull, lift, or break objects. When you're talking already a really powerful character build, like, and now let's add the, the strength of a bear on top of that. I mean, yeah, you, you're unstoppable. And this is level 6. We're not talking level 20. Nope. <laughs> level 6. If you chose the eagle... You gain eyesight of an eagle. You can see up to one mile, and I quote, with no difficulty. 
no difficulty. You're able to discern fine details as though looking at something no more than 100 feet away. Additionally, dim light does not impose disadvantage on your perception checks. Whoa, that's huge. This is awesome. Yeah. So it's more than just, I really like eagles. You're yeah. truly being blessed by this totem of an eagle. It really is more than... It's it's not like a baseball team and that's just the logo you like. I mean, this is an actual power that is it's granting you these extra abilities. And I think that's a really cool chance to roleplay. You know, yeah, you can see over at the camp, but if it's me, all right, I'm going to crouch down and narrow. My eyes turn gold. They, you know, they slit like I'm I'm a bird. I don't look like a human anymore and I can see this extra mile like for that moment I'm just purposely able to perceive whatever it is that I'm I'm focusing on. I would take these moments as a chance to really flesh out your character and roleplay more than just your simple, yeah, I did this thing. How did you do it? Why did you do it? What did it look like? What did it sound like? How did it feel? I, I really like to focus on these descriptors, especially as a DM, but if you're a player, I mean, you're still making the game so much more fun for everyone else. You actually brought up something that I've never really thought about. Like, So I'm going to soon be able to turn into a bear for my character. Like, oh, there's some people at encampment. I turn into a bear, and I just wander over there, and maybe I can sneak in and get closer to them before, like, things go sideways. You know, maybe I can kind of do reconnaissance, because I'm a fucking bear. And that's not crazy unheard of at an encampment. What if you had a team of barbarians? <laughs> this one's the wolf. Let's have a team of, of barbarians, Instead of having tribe be the wolf totem or something, what if they choose different ones, and you're a bear, he's a wolf, this one's an eagle. He can see. You can make the pack tactics. This one can rush forward and bash your fucking skulls in. <laughs> and none of us can solve any puzzles, and but then, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, or if, imagine if you had three barbarians that all chose the ancestral path, and all three of you are summoning these spirit yeah. barbarians. It would be like, here's three guys, but you're actually fighting about 30. <laughs> it's like one of those things that seems like it might be boring or trite, but it's not. Like, that would be... That'd be so much fun. I would love to crazy. do that. That'd be Especially, so much fun. what if you just did... Let's say you're doing a higher level campaign. You want everyone to start off at level six or something. Tell them they're all level three barbarians and they can choose the multi-class from there. Boom, man. You got the one guy who's like able to do reconnaissance. He's got all the eagle stuff. You got wolf dude. You got the ancestral one. You got a fucking bear. I'm so in for this. (laughs) So at level 14, if you choose the bear totem, basically you're making it to where while you're raging, enemies have disadvantage on attacking anyone but you. So they can make the option of attacking you for normal. And as a tank, you're able to handle that. Or they can attack your friends and they have disadvantage on it. And yeah. I guess that's because they're like distracted by you. They're just like, you're there. like <sighs> You aggro. Yeah. yeah. And they just are like, fuck. Like it's really shaking them. I love that. I mean, you can add your own flavor into that. You maybe you like talk some shit and you're like, all right, come on. Like it's, it's me. I'm starting some stuff. Who's going to do something about it? They want to fight somebody else. Like, oh, you're kind of wussing out. You're backing away from me, man. You know, and that's why they get a disadvantage. Um, I, I love it. That's cool. Barbarians. Some people might argue their limitations are this lack of magical ability or this this kind of one-sidedness to them where they just run and smash things. <laughs> if you chose the Totem of the Eagle, this is not the case. A level 14 Eagle gets to, while raging, you have a flying speed equal to your current walking speed. You just are floating. You are you are giving off like such an enraged presence that I guess it's like Dragon Ball Z or something. Your, your Ki or your Kai is so powerful... You're able to lift yourself off the ground and fly. And not only that, you're able to fly as far as you can walk, which is going to be about 30 to 40 feet. We have ghost barbarians. We have flying barbarians. Like, this is this is really terrifying. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> if you're choosing the wolf while you're raging, you can use a bonus action on your turn to knock a larger or smaller creature prone when you hit them with a melee weapon attack. You just run up. 
hit them with your big axe, and if it doesn't take them out, they're laying on the ground now, which is going to give all your teammates advantage on when they're trying to attack them. Well, they got to waste time to get back up. They can't do a full attack anymore. Right, yeah. yeah. They have to, in 5th edition, you have to use uh, half your speed just to stand up ah. if you were knocked prone. Weird, yeah. So we have already covered a lot of the different subclasses for Barbarian, but with the Xanthor's Guide, there are still two more that I have not mentioned. But before we do that, we're going to just take one moment to thank our sponsors. Here in the force of Elandril, we elves defend the woods from beasts and men. I myself have helped drive off goblin raiders, slain a giant spider, and composed an elven symphony for the Blood Moon Harvest Festival. And that was before lunch. So when I'm not sliding down the trunk of a barbarian elephant beast after killing it and its occupants with only my dagger and a few arrows, I look forward to coming home to a dungeon crate. Dungeon Crate is a monthly subscription box service crafted specifically for RPG and tabletop gamers. Miniatures, dice, tokens, coins, maps, modules, terrain pieces, handmade items, RPG jewelry and more are yours for only a few gold per month. You even get a digital crate along with a physical one as an added bonus. As an elf, I appreciate quality craftsmanship and Dungeon Crate delivers, even if it's put together by humans. Sir, sentries have discovered several dwarves and a wizard trespassing in our woods. I was wondering what that smell was. DungeonCrate.com. Are you ready? Let the adventure begin. Once again, that is Dungeon Crate. And you can go to DungeonCrate.com to use the coupon code DICETALK to receive $5 off of your order. Before we finish up our segment on Barbarians, I'm going to take just one moment to read out a 5-star review. This review was left on our Facebook page. There is a rating system featured there, as well as on our Stitcher and on our iTunes. This 5-star review comes from Casey Powell Shorthouse. Casey writes, As a returning player to Dungeons & Dragons, Dice Talk is a nice addition to my education. Not only do they cover basic ideas, but they also go into what makes things tick. I'm loving to look into their own campaigns and characters, as well as the deep dive segment. Keep up the strong start. Thanks, Casey. We really appreciate it, as do we all of our reviews. If you would like to get a shout-out the way that Casey did, then just go ahead and leave us a five-star review so we can read it out on the podcast. Reviews really help to let us know how you're feeling about the show. They also help to get us to the top of the charts so that we can reach as many listeners as possible. But with that, I say let's just move on ahead, because it is now time to continue the deep dive. All right, and we are back, so let's go ahead and continue. There's the Path of the Storm Herald. So this is like your fury comes not just from nature, not just from within, but your fury comes from the earth itself. It comes from the weather, the atmosphere, the building rage, this storm that is your fury is building and building, and finally you just let it break. Oh, I love it. Nature calls into this big, giant monstrosity, and you've tapped into the well of all the potential out there. That's so cool. And not only that, it's just like the totem one. You get to choose. So you can choose to be either your storm aura is what it's called. You can choose to have a desert storm, a sea storm, or a tundra storm. Uh, The desert one says, When this effect is activated, all other creatures in your aura take two fire damage each. The damage increases when you reach certain levels. This goes up to three, and then four, and then five, and then six, depending. That's just for them being around you. Just for them being near you, they take this extra damage. 
just because you're there, just because your rage is so intense that it burns them. With the C1, they take 1d6 lightning damage on any failed dexterity saving throw, or half as much on a successful one. So if someone's making a, a throw against you, no matter what, they're taking damage. Once again, just for being near you. Like, your, your rage is so intense that you're physically harming the people that are around you. And then when it comes to the Tundra one, you get to gain two temporary hit points as this icy spirit inures it to the suffering. So basically the temporary hit points increase when you reach certain levels. It's just like this extra chance to get a little bit more health. As if your barbarian wasn't tanky enough. Now, because you, I guess you have this tundra, this ice skin, essentially is how I would explain it. At 6th level, you get something that's called the Storm Soul. So if you're a desert-type uh, barbarian, you get resistance to all fire damage, and you don't suffer the effects of extreme heat. I guess this is kind of like... Like you're watching Naruto or something, and you're that guy that can control sand. So you just have like this like windstorm of sand around you at all times. It would. Yeah, you've been accustomed to these hot temperatures that it doesn't affect you anymore. You get resistance to that. Now, does it do the same thing for the um, the the tundra one? Well, for the tundra one, you get resistance to cold damage. So it's as if you're used to having the ice, this blizzard aura around you at all times. Uh, when I think barbarians, I think like Iceland, like like or like Nordic, uh, like cold cultures I, I that's probably where i'd lean you can also touch any body of water and it'll it'll for up to five feet just form into ice you just touch it and it turns to ice now could you like stand on that like could you say oh we're in trouble we got to get out of here and you could like slowly make a path it won't melt for one minute wow that's super cool see when you think barbarians they just don't have tricks like these Right, it's really cool. So I'm really glad that Wizards of the Coast came out with these extra ways to kind of change up the Barbarian class. And then there's the Storm of the Sea. You gain resistance to lightning damage, it makes sense. And you can breathe underwater all of a sudden. In addition to that, you gain an increased swimming speed of 30 feet. Wow. See, Barbarians in my head like are always not good in water. I actually, my Barbarian at one point in time fell and, you know... They're heavy. They don't swim particularly well, but this it sounds like the storm one. You have the ability to go, okay, now you're proficient there. Like, you got the guy who can fly. Barbarians don't fly. Like, this is all these little, like, side takes on barbarians are awesome. Yeah, this is really cool. At 10th level, you get something called Shielding Storm, and each creature of your choice, so basically, basically anyone that's around you, you get to choose which ones are affected and which ones aren't. They have resistance to any type of damage based on what you've chose. So if it's desert, they have resistance to fire. These are your teammates. If you chose sea, they have resistance to lightning. If you chose tundra, they have resistance to cold. Just for being around you. It's like you're expanding your aura to being a larger area, and now it's protecting all of you. Yeah, again, barbarians being these big, heavy guys, you don't think of them as buffers. Like, they don't, like, lift up other people. It's about, like, hey, you make me extra large, you give me such and such, and then I'll be the, the tip of the spear. This is now a barbarian that's able to go, hey, I made you better. We're as a group fighting. Right, it really changes the dynamic of it's just about him, now it's about everybody. Yeah. At level 14, your ability is called the Raging Storm. And the Raging Storm, if you're a Desert Storm, immediately after a creature that your aura hits with an attack, you can use a reaction to force that creature to make a dexterity saving throw. And if they fail, they take fire damage equal to half of your Barbarian level. And this is just bonus damage. This is just damage because they hit you. Just You just are. <laughs> it's not even your turn. They just attack you and they get punished for it's, it. How dare you? I'm that mad. <laughs> if you chose the Raging Storm of the Sea, when you hit a creature in your aura with an attack, use your reaction to force that creature to make a strength saving throw on a failed save. They're knocked prone as if struck by a wave. So someone runs up at you, swings a great sword, they hit, 
and you're so strong, this aura that your rage is giving off is so powerful, it knocks them back as if they just got hit by this, like, tidal wave. Yeah, you're setting yourself up for so much success. You're already good at fighting. You're already good at swinging an axe and stuff. A guy actually lands on you, which is hard to do in the first place. I mean, you got the unarmed stuff, all the or not wearing armor stuff. And then you knock him over, and now I have an advantage on you. And it's like, get up. Come on. Get up. Let's see what happens, buddy. I'm going to stare at you. You're going to get scared. You're going to pee yourself. I've got ghost friends. This dude's fucking flying. And if you really make me mad, that other guy's going to turn into a bear. Let's go. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome. I mean, you traditionally wouldn't think of this, but if you chose a Ganassi, are there Ganassis in the 3.5 edition? It doesn't ring a bell. So Ganassi is a half elemental. So they can be a water elemental, a fire elemental, an earth elemental, and they look human, but they have these different qualities about them. So let's say you're a water elemental. You can control water. You can change the forms of water. And then you choose the sea barbarian. That would make so much sense. You can control lightning. Yeah. You're knocking them back like a tidal wave. You're turning things in the ice. I mean, this would be a Fucking really Jason cool... Momoa Aquaman, you know? <laughs> this would be the shit. Yeah, this would be awesome. See, what I'm really realizing with this is that typically when I think of a barbarian, they're kind of like one function. I hit stuff. I go forward. But you could, if you wanted to, like we just sort of joked about, is you could put a five-man team together and have a full, complete team with these different barbarians. variants of barbarians. And I never thought that was a thing that you could do. I mean, barbarians always seem like a hammer. You know, that's what they do. We hammer stuff. This is every little tool you could need and they're so varied that unless you told someone an observer wouldn't know you're all barbarians like you just did magic he just flew be amazing (laughs) now for raging storm there's also tundra and this is you can choose one creature that you see that creature must succeed on a strength saving throw or have their speed reduced to zero speed reduced to zero yeah you just like point at them and this frost chill overtakes their body and they can't move because they're frozen to the ground how long does that last this lasts until the start of your next turn, at which point you can just choose to do it again. Yeah, I love that. It's like, no, no, fuck you. Stay over there. I'll get to you in a second. <laughs> the last subclass provided by the Xanathar's Guide to Everything is the Path of the Zealot. Before we were talking about you get your power from your rage, you get your power from nature, you get your power from, you know, a storm or from one of your ancestors. Mm-hmm. This is one where you get it from divinity. You get it from a god of some sort. Oh, that's cool. I mean, you don't traditionally think of barbarians as like being super religious because they are so like into nature and things. So you're saying that there's like an actual deity of some sort that you're kind of like looking to. Right. And and there's a lot of options in D&D. There's many options and you can choose which one fits you best. And this, I mean, this is really cool because a lot of times you want to be a tank character, but you want to kind of go the religious route. You're, you're going to go paladin. Well, all of a sudden now you can be a barbarian. If you don't want to walk around wearing shining armor and kind of be this lawful good guy... Now, all of a sudden, you can choose the Path of the Zealot, and this really opens up some doorways for combat, for skills, abilities, and for role-playing as well. So the Path of the Zealot, at level 3, you get what is called the Warrior of the Gods. You are this chosen. You are doing this thing in the name of the god that you worship. And at third level, your soul is marked for endless battle. If a spell, such as Raise Dead, or any other spell that has the effect of restoring you to life... The caster does not need the material components to cast the spell. One of the things that balances the raised dead spell in D&D is the fact that you need these components in order to pull it off. Just because you chose this path of the zealot, it's not required for you. Well, barbarians traditionally are not good with magic. So this is like a workaround. If you need a barbarian that has that kind of skill, cool, take this path. That's the way to go. Because barbarians, you, they don't do a lot of spell components. They don't do a lot of, like, you know, fancy hand movements and saying super words. You don't, 
you would never look at Doctor Strange and go, that's a barbarian, yeah, you know? Yeah, sure. And I think this is a really good way, if, if we're talking about multiclassing, if you want to multiclass into a warlock, a warlock gets their power from an other, other worldly patron, such as a demon or a god. This would be a really good way to do it. Start off as the Path of the Zealot, and, you know, multiclass into a warlock. Start worshipping that god and getting more magic powers. Yeah. At level six, there's a thing called Fanatical Focus. So your divine power is that fuels your rage can protect you. If you fail a saving throw while you're raging, you can re-roll the saving throw and you can use the new roll instead. Basically, you're just getting advantage whenever you're doing a saving throw. This is pretty good. Yeah, anytime you can do that, you have to take it. Yeah. And if you go to Zealous Presence, at 10th level, you can learn to channel divine power to inspire zealotry in others. As a bonus action, you can unleash a battle cry infused with the fine energy. You just... <laughs> it's a shout barbarian from Diablo 2. Yeah, these are... <laughs> I cannot help but think maybe Diablo... Oh, they stole so much, yeah. Up to 10 other creatures of your choice within 60 feet that you can hear gain advantage on attack rolls and saving throws until the start of your next turn. Now you're a bard. Yeah. Now you're a barbarian who is inspiring the rest of your team. You're letting out this blood rage and it inspires everybody. You're a bard that can Spartan kick somebody in the chest if you need to. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then you die and they can just raise you back from the dead super easy because, you know, that's just the way it works. Because now I get magic. <laughs> the level 14 and the final ability granted by the Path of the Zealot is Rage Beyond Death. Beginning at 14th level, the divine power that fuels your rage allows you to shrug off fatal blows. While you're raging, having zero hit points does not knock you unconscious. You still must make death saving throws as if you were at zero hit points. However, you don't die due to failing these death saves. Instead, you only die once your rage ends and you have zero hit points. So you're still making these death saving throws, but you're just still going. This divine spirit is fueling what would be a corpse. And, and, and you're basically extending this chance for your other teammates to heal you. And then like we said a moment ago, let's say this doesn't work and you do die. They can bring you back so much easier. That's like the best representation of that like classic phrase of like rage against the dying of the light. Like, no, truly actually rage against it. You know? Like actually get mad against death being a possibility. Well, what comes to mind immediately for me, especially after reading all of this, is the mountain. The mm-hmm. mountain is a barbarian who has followed the path of the <laughs> zealot. Yeah, that's super poignant. Absolutely. He died. He came back up. Whatever. He's still super mad. That's his thing. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous, honestly. Now, we have just gave you a very in-depth view of the different subclasses that a barbarian can take. Already, if you're anything like me, I'm just I'm just overflowing with these ideas of how I can play a barbarian. Like, all these different things have really opened up the doorways. It's so much more than the original two subclasses that just come in a regular player's handbook. So you can already make all these attacks. You can take reactions and attack people when they attack you. You can deal damage to them just because they, you know, hit you with their sword. Well, at fifth level, and this is for all barbarians, regardless of what you chose, they get extra attack. You just get to attack again. You just get to make your normal attack twice every turn. This is massive damage. In addition, at fifth level, you also get what's called fast movement. So now your speed increased by an additional 10 feet. So now you can just travel even further. As long as you're not wearing heavy armor, and this is the third time we're mentioning it, but just don't wear heavy armor. If you're going to be a barbarian, it seems super beneficial to just not wear armor. And it's cooler. It's way cooler. So yeah, you're already just able to move a lot faster now just because you're not wearing armor. And at level 7, every single barbarian gets what's called feral instinct. 
basically you have advantage on all initiative rolls. That's good. I mean, because you're a fighter class already. You want to go first. And especially as a barbarian, clearing distance is a big thing. Being able to get up on top of people. Because ranged, ranged people tend to be problematic for barbarians, from my experience at right, least. Right, so get to them before they get the chance. Absolutely. And initiative is one of the best ways to do that. Level 9, you get Brutal Critical. Whenever you do a critical hit, you know, critical hit, you roll your damage twice and deal both of the damage together. You get to roll another time. So when you do a critical hit, you roll an additional die to deal even more damage. <laughs> Every time you crit, which, because your strength is so high, it's already going to be massive damage. Now you get to roll your additional damage. Now you get to roll a third time because you crit. Then you get to use your extra attack, make another attack. And you're high level and you're doing damage because you just exist like some of and those other classes. And <laughs> when you're in rage, you already deal extra damage. I Good mean, this is God. getting crazy. Yeah, high output, man. Level 11 is Relentless Rage. The rage will keep you fighting despite grievous wounds. If you drop to zero hit points while you're raging, you can make a DC con save. And if you succeed, you come back with one hit point. You just can't kill these things. <laughs> yeah, and if you chose the path of the zealot... Yeah, then it's, you literally it like. It seems like oh almost God. impossible to kill a death or to kill a path of the zealot barbarian. Yeah, and then there's also the ancestry thing. You might just come back as a ghost and help out some of your friends. <laughs> that would be interesting. Your guy does die, and maybe you really like playing that barbarian, so you want to play another barbarian. Second time around, do the ancestral path, and your old character is the that's super spirit. cool. Yeah, I love that. The DM would like. I would have a lot of fun with that as a DM. And this one's level 18. This is by far the most OP and the coolest thing that I've seen on any of these pages about barbarians. Beginning at 18th level, if your total for a strength check is less than your strength score, you can use that score in place of your total rolled. Not your ability modifier, your score. When you're at level 18, you're probably maxed out in strength. You probably have 20 strength. Just get to add 20 for fun, just because you can. Anytime you roll a strength check, oh, it was under 20? Actually, it was 20. Yeah. Jeez, man. Yeah, there's nothing strength-related you shouldn't be able to do unless it's just, I want to actually move a mountain, you know? And then let's see how you roll. Maybe it can happen. You're pretty heavy. That's that's crazy. That's super. Level 20, which, you know, that's when they max out, they get their primal champion. So you embody the power of the wild, and your strength and constitution score both increase by four, and they make the maximum for these two stats, 24 instead of 20. So once again, oh, now my strength's 24. Oh, I rolled a 19. Actually, I rolled a 24. <laughs> I love barbarians. Like, it's it's that whole, the secret is that I'm always mad. I just, right. they're so great, man. They just get stuff done. And the answer is try harder. They just fucking power through everything. So we just spent a lot of time really, really diving in and providing some deep details about how the barbarian class works. What are some really interesting ways you can think of that, you know, just something you want to leave our listeners with. What are some interesting ways that you can think to play barbarian that might be out of the ordinary? Um, well, when you think of barbarians, you always think of them coming from like a tribal nature. You don't have to do that. Like you can play a guy who's in a civilized society that something has broken in his head. Some trigger has happened or, you know, his family dies or whatever happens. And now he's gone to the the outskirts. Yeah, I mean, again, like, Wolverine is a guy who 
is is a barbarian. You could say he's got a normal life, and then this happened to him, and he's gone, and he's found rage as his ma- main motivator for being powerful. Um, that's a good take on it. We talked about sort of unique triggers, of like you want to use an item that's going to turn you into uh, the the rage. You want to have maybe you get sad, and that's what does it instead of like traditionally getting mad. There's a lot of little ways you can take him and go off the beaten path. I I do really like the idea of like being a normal guy, not a from the, you know, plains and then somehow finding a way to be a barbarian. It's like, no, no, no. I'm like, I lived in a city. I, some shit happened. And I, now I just, I can't get past it. I've got this emotional break. I'm Bruce Banner turning into the Hulk. You know, that Bruce Banner is not at all what you consider like a Tarzan kind of guy. Right. Yeah. That's, I think that's a really cool way to look at it. Um, there's a podcast that I listen to and it's an actual play podcast called Wander Quest and it's very good. Uh, it's presented by Encounter Roleplay. You should definitely check it out. I recommend it. Cool. And their barbarian on there, she her character is she is a professor at a university, and her children got kidnapped from her, and and this is what broke her. This is what happened to where not only is she so enraged, but she found out like something in her bloodline does have that one in a thousand. Like I am an actual barbarian. She is able to truly enter this barbaric rage, and this is something she didn't know about herself. That's super cool. Like, and you're taking a character that if you looked at them from a distance when they were, you know, 20 or something and you said, oh, okay, who are they? You would never guess that they have this applied to them, but a bloodline has brought that out of them. That You can apply that to anybody, anywhere. Oh, it's an elf? Okay, well, their great-grandfather fooled around with this barbarian woman or something. Who, who knows? Um, like, you, there's a lot of different ways to take it and spin these characters. Um and I, I go back to there's just people that I wouldn't think of as barbarians that are barbarians. I mean, you always think of Conan the Barbarian. That's the that's the archetype. This mm-hmm. guy who's running around, he pushed a wheel forever and got strong and got good at the fight pits. But it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be that at all. I think it'd be cool to have someone who is genetically enhanced in some way, uh, like a Bane type yeah. character, where they maybe maybe they were pretty big, but they weren't always exactly how they are. And maybe a wizard or a warlock or an alchemist or a scientist did something to them where, yeah, they're a big dude, but now they're a barbarian. Now they have this barbarous rage. Now they can, you know, crazy amounts of strength increase. All these abilities, this diehard, this ability to literally not die in the case of the yeah, ancestral spirit and the, yeah. I mean, this is, or the path of the zealot, rather. Here's one I just thought of, like, you think a beast from the X-Men. Smart guy, crazy smart. He is has barbarian tendencies and that he can like he can rage out and stuff and become the full beast quote unquote um he's fighting that at all times he doesn't want to he feels like that's lesser of him that's a cool take on a barbarian i mean you could play a guy who like is really trying not to fall into these natural tendencies that he has genetically within him most barbarians seem to love battle and war and want to really embrace that and you mm-hmm. know taste the blood of their enemies you don't have to do that you can be a guy who's like no i I'm just trying to get by. I'm trying to do these things. We don't have to fight. Oh, you made me. And yeah, then we freak out. Maybe you flip a coin or maybe you just, as the player, decide, okay, that would piss me off. I'm going to try to fight it. If yeah. I get above an 18, I can't, you know, if I get above a 13, I can't fight it and I rage out. Yeah, he's schizophrenic or, or something. Or I just flip a coin. If, you know, if I get heads, that means this was enough to piss me off. And despite my attempts to try to restrain myself, I flip out and I rage out. That would be cool to like give the DM the authority of like, I don't have the ability to decide it. And then I have to like tuck and roll and figure it out. That's probably more for your advanced players. People have done it a while and know how to kind of like 
do the thing that the DM's forcing you to and still somehow survive. But like if you're a love if you're this is your first campaign, don't get too crazy. You can get killed being a barbarian just running headlong into stuff. Um, but that, yeah, I would love that. That I want to, I want to play with that idea. All these barbarian classes. I'm super pumped about a flying barbarian. That's ridiculous. Well, I think we did it, Alex. Do you have anything else you want to add? Um, dude, barbarians just, well, first off, make more barbarians. I don't care. Like if you're sitting at home and you listen to this, every campaign needs a barbarian in my book. I would love it. I'm tend to be that guy. I relate to you. Please put more of these guys in the world. Um, but the other thing is like, if you're playing a barbarian, right? you should be a little afraid of whether or not he's going to get out of there because he should be biting off more than he can chew and you should be kind of questioning, like, was this too far? Was this too far? Um, that's how I like my barbarians. I like The danger is that I've got a ton of health and thank God I have a ton of health because I might need it. Yeah, definitely. Barbarians are awesome. I After researching it and exploring it for this episode, I, I definitely want to play a barbarian now. Yeah, come and get some, man. All right. Well, thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Dice Talk. I hope that we were able to provide you with some interesting ideas and a little bit of inspiration of how to play barbarians, maybe even give you some knowledge about them that you didn't have before. But that is all we have on tonight's episode. So as always, thank you for listening to Dice Talk. I just wanted to take some time to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that our discussion was able to entertain and inspire you. Do you have any interesting ways to include barbarians in your own game? How do you usually go about playing barbarians in your campaigns at home? We want to hear about it. You can send us comments, questions, or just say hi by going to DiceTalkShow.com. There you can engage on our blog with the Dice Talk community, explore our image gallery, and stay up to date with all things Dice Talk. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Dice Talk and start following us today. You can also get in touch with us by sending an email to dicetalkshow at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. They really help to get us to the top of the charts so that Dice Talk can reach even more listeners. We will continue to read out five-star reviews in future episodes, so rate and review us, tell us what you think, and listen out for your shout-out. Until then, tell your friends about us and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening to Dice Talk and be sure to tune in next week for episode 6.